You're listening to a message from our Young Adult Bible Study. We hope this podcast is a blessing to you. To learn more about our ministry, go to peacechurch.cc slash youngadults. Now let's begin our Bible study. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, a friend of my, are you laughing? What are you laughing? Oh, his. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll wait. There we go. All right, now I'm going to start. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, a friend of mine showed me songs of a guy named Levi the Poet. Anyone here know Levi the Poet? No one knows Levi the Poet, except Miles. Um, Levi the Poet wrote spoken word poems, so they're not as rhythmic as like slam poetry, but they're also not like just blank verse. So I loved it, and so I started writing my own poems and I would speak at open mic nights. I opened for a few uh, bands at small shows. And I have recorded six poems that my buddy w- would put music to. And I like doing them. Uh, three of those poems are actually on Apple Music and Spotify. And thanks, man. Uh, one of those poems, I mispronounced a word. And uh, I was talking about King David. And I mentioned his scepter, which is a king's staff. Spelled S C E P T E R, scepter. Um, but to my horror and to my shame and to my embarrassment, I pronounced it scepter. And so once I realized it, I frantically messaged my guy, buddy who did the recording of it, and I begged him to take it out, and he said, It's too late. It's too late, and so I had to decide, am I going to withhold uploading this, um, which is, like, why I did it, uh, because I'm embarrassed, or am I just going to go for it and just send it? And so I just sent it, um, even though I felt really dumb and physically cringe every time I listened to it. It is there, and it is a mispronunciation of the word scepter, not scepter. But words can be confusing. Um, I didn't even know <laughs> what a scepter was until I mispronounced it. Um, there are a lot of words like that in the Bible where we only ever read them and we never <laughs> say them out loud. So there's a lot of words like that in the Bible. And today I want to look at one of those words that um, we don't use often. They're not even, it's not even a word that's used often in Scripture. Um, but it is a biblical word that carries a lot of weight. It carries a weighty theological idea, and that word is the word preeminent. Everyone say the word preeminent. Preeminent. Today we are continuing our series on Proclaim. It's a spiritual journey through Colossians 1, and today, tonight, we're, we're taking a look at Jesus. Colossians 1, 15 through 23 has some of the most beautiful words about Jesus in Scripture. And I can assure you, I will not do this passage justice, uh, but I, I hope that this time is still beneficial to us despite my inability. It is one of the most beautiful passages in Scripture. So let's go to Colossians 1, 15 through 23. Jesus says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So that's why we go to Scripture and this is what Colossians 1, 15 through 23 says. I'm actually going to only read to 20, uh, but the whole, up to 23 is the whole passage. Verse 15. He is 
the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So, preeminent, preeminence. Uh, that word comes from the Greek uh, word proteo, which is only used once in the Greek New Testament, and it is this passage. Uh, it means to be first. We translate it in our Bibles as preeminence. And the English word preeminence comes from two other words, pre, which means before or above, and imminence. Imminence, which means superiority or exceeding. So preeminence, superior before all things, or exceeding above everything else. Preeminence. So the question we have to ask is, Jesus is preeminent in relation to what? He is exceeding above everything. What is that everything that has, it has in mind, the text has in mind? Everything. <laughs> Creation, the church, and your life. The Bible is not recommending that to us. The Bible is saying Jesus is preeminent over the church, all of creation, and your life, your heart. He is preeminent. He is the most important thing in your life, whether you recognize it or not. So do you live in reality and recognize that, or do you reject Christ? Those are the two options. He is the most important thing in our lives. Do we recognize that or do we reject it? He is preeminent in all things. So Paul doesn't just just say Christ is preeminent. He actually gives a bunch of words to explain that preeminence. He gives examples of his preeminence. So verses 15 to 18, he says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So he gives all these ex examples of his preeminence, and he says, Right off the bat in this text, he is God. That's what he's saying when he says he is the image of the invisible God. He is God. His godness, you can add ness to any word and that's a, it makes it a word. He, he, his godness is his preeminence. He isn't created, he is creator. 
And then in various ways, he describes his godness. Paul describes his godness, his preeminence. He is God. He is preeminent in all of these ways. It says all things are created through him. So all of creation comes from God's power. It says all things were created for him. All, everything is purposed, has a purpose, and that purpose is his glory. It says that he is before all things. He is the most important thing. All things hold together. He is necessary. Christ is necessary. Everything is held together by him. He is necessary. And he is the head. He is the center of control. He is the head of the body. That He is preeminent. So an easy illustration, I think, for preeminence. It's a really big concept, but it's a, here's a very easy illustration for it. Um, what I'm going to quote a song, but change the lyrics a little bit, and you tell me what movie it's from. He is the best around. Nothing's ever going to keep him down. What movie is that from? No. <laughs> Karate Kid. Come on. Yeah, thank you. All right, uh, here's a, a theme song of a show. Changing the lyric a little bit. He is the very best like no one ever was. Yeah. <laughs> so an easy illustration for preeminence is that word best. He's the best. He wins in every good category. Preeminence, best, most important, superior in every way over everything. But what is more true to say, because if that's true, if, if Christ is preeminent, if he is truly preeminent in all creation, then what is also true is that all of creation should be focused on and oriented towards him. If it is true that Christ is preeminent over all things, then it is also true that all of creation should be focused on and oriented towards him. Romans 11.36 says it beautifully. It says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. For from him and through him and to him are all things. And that's exactly what our text today says. All things were created through him and for him. The Christian life is oriented towards Christ because all of creation is oriented towards Christ. So when you think of creation, what we should be thinking of is a musical performance. Raise your hand if you were in band or orchestra or something like that. Did anyone play the tuba? I've always wanted to... Oh, man, I've always wanted to meet a tuba player. That's awesome. I mean, tubas are, they're massive. I played the triangle officially in a school, uh, what would you call it? Concert. Um, we should think of a musical performance when we think of creation. So Christ's preeminence ju doesn't just mean, oh, he's the best, but he is the best in relation to everything else. And so we should think of the whole picture, and that whole picture should be a picture of a musical performance the preeminent figure in a musical performance is the conductor. Every instrument 
is oriented towards the conductor. Every instrument's instrumentalist is oriented towards the conductor and is focused on the conductor. And if any instrument becomes disoriented, you notice they're all oriented together, but if any one instrumentalist becomes disoriented, the whole song falls apart. The band could sound great, but if the tuba goes rogue, everyone knows about it. And that's what sin does. Sin disorients us from the preeminent creator God. Jesus is preeminent. All of creation should be focused on him. He is preeminent in creation. He is preeminent in the church. He is preeminent in our lives. He is the most important, whether you recognize that in your life or not. He is. And that's why the Christian life is constantly reorienting us, calling us to a life that's oriented towards him. The text ends by saying, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. The centrality of the person of Christ, right, his preeminence, the centrality of the person of Christ is not just an idea. It is an effectual reality. Like it actually does something. It isn't just a mere thing that exists in our heads, but it actually has effects. The centrality of the person of Christ. Jesus not only creates the world with himself at the center, but Jesus reorients the world to himself through his cross. He doesn't just create the world with himself at the center, but he reorients the world by putting himself at the center again on the cross. Sin disorients us, and he reorients creation by putting himself back at the center. All of his preeminence actually leads to something. His preeminence leads to glory in the world. It leads to glory in eternity, and it leads to gl- he glorifies himself in his people. So his, his preeminence leads to the good news. There is no good news without the preeminence of Christ. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So, the preeminence of Christ is not only the purpose of the good news, but it is the basis for the good news as well. There is no good news without the preeminence of Christ. It's the purpose, but it's also the basis for it. It doesn't happen without it. That's where we want to end. We want to end by recognizing the preeminence of Christ, but the good news doesn't happen at all if Christ isn't preeminent. So he is glorified in good things, most importantly, the reconciliation of his people. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell But notice the second thing that verse is saying. Through him, all the fullness of God was pleased to reconcile. In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Through him, all the fullness of God was pleased to reconcile. God reconciles 
his people. And good Trinitarian theology, God the Father plans, the Son executes, and the Spirit applies the work of reconciliation. So I want to close with this encouragement. All of creation is oriented towards Jesus. He is preeminent. He is the most important. He is the center of it all. Sin disorients. So creation is oriented to him. Sin disorients us. And we become off balance. We miss the mark. We lose our focus on our purpose. We reject God. The good news is a reorientation. Jesus is reconciling his people. That's what God accomplishes. So his preeminence is not just an abstract idea. It, is a t- it has tangible effects. He is reconciling his people. He is reorienting our hearts, our souls, our minds back to Christ. He is reorienting our focus to where it should be and where our flourishing is found. It's focusing on Jesus. I thought of using an, an illustration from Numbers 21, and then that partners really well with John 3. You'll get what I'm saying when you read it in your discussion groups, but I, I thought it would actually be really good um, kind of meat for you guys to chew in in your discussion groups. So if you've never read Numbers or you've never heard of Numbers 21, basically Moses is holding up a snake and it's a little weird if you've never thought about it or heard about it. Um, but it, it has beautiful symbolism, and I want you guys to talk about that. Um, thinking through this idea of Jesus is preeminent. Sin makes us no longer recognize his preeminence. And we're reconciled to him, and so now, now we recon- recognize his preeminence. But by, he actually, like the, the way he saves us is actually by being preeminent, by being the focus is how he saves us as well. So it's really neat, and I hope you guys enjoy talking about it. But um, read Colossians 1, 15 through 23. Uh, ask yourself what sticks out to you in the passage. What questions came up when you read it? What does this passage tell you about Jesus? And then read Numbers 21, 9. Talk about it. And then read John three fourteen through 15, which is Jesus speaking. And there's an awesome connection to the gospel. What do these passages share and what is symbolized? And then lastly, one of the most beautiful questions I think we can ask ourselves. How can we better live out our entire lives for God? How can we live our entire lives for God? How can we better live into that calling that's on us? Let's pray. Jesus, we recognize your preeminence. We recognize that you are more important than anything else. So, Father, we just pray for um, a blessing on our conversations, and above all, may we leave here closer to you than we were when we walked in. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.